You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And this week we're talking about some things that uh, you need to be aware of to get ready for the fall season. So some of the regulation changes and things like that. So that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. Before we get into that, though, I want to talk about our sponsor, Mastin's Deer Sense. Mastin's, as the name implies, is a deer scent company, and they also have come out with Predator Sense, so basically a one-stop shop for all your scent needs. I know scent is a great tool. We all use scent in the fall for hunting deer, so it's a good tool to have in your toolbox, and Mastin's makes a lot of good and interesting products. So check them out. Go to MastinsDeerSense.com. Get all your liquid scents, your estrus, all of that stuff. You can check out some of their scented gel crystals while you're there. Uh, they have scented can- like deer-scented candles that you can use in their double scent stacker, which allows you to layer scents with their scented candles and their liquid scents. So lots of cool stuff to check out over there. So again, MastinsDeerSense.com. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? All right, so... If you follow us on social media, you may or may not have seen our post about the the new regulations book for the 2021-2022 season. So the new book is out, and we've touched briefly on some of the changes that they were, at the time, proposed changes, uh, I think, when we last talked about this kind of stuff. So now the book's out. We can see what uh, what the final changes are, and one of them that uh, is still not finalized, which I was kind of surprised to see. So one nice thing they do, and I don't know when they started doing this, but they sort of summarize the, the changes from the previous year at the beginning of the regs book now. Now, like I say, it's a new thing, but... At some point uh, in the past, they started doing that, and so it makes it easy to kind of get high-level details on what's different, and then you can kind of proceed down through the book to uh, get the rest of the details. So I guess to you guys, anything after looking at the sort of final list of changes that was surprising to you or that jumped out at you? Well, one thing that I don't know if I just missed in the 
proposals or didn't quite understand in the proposed rule changes, you know, I just, or just, yeah, glossed over it was the, the deer management tag. Yeah. Being it's now valid on in any County on private land. Right. But it's not valid on public land in any County except for controlled hunts and, uh, kill deer plains wildlife area and Lake Lasso and I think that's yeah. how you pronounce it's yeah. I've never been there it's in the far northeast northwest corner of the state um but yeah I, I don't know if that's something that I just glossed over and missed you know that it was going to become valid in all counties on private land and yeah. then not valid on public land or if that was tweaked a little bit, but I thought that was uh, pretty cool. Um, yeah, I thought that was an interesting change also. I, I And I don't know the reasoning, but it certainly simplifies because, you know, last year you had this kind of complicated map of like, you had two different scenarios of three deer counties. You had three deer counties where management permits were allowed and three deer counties where management permits were not allowed. And it, you know, it kind of complicated things. This, in my opinion, simplifies things in that they're just not, not allowed on public land. They are allowed any County on private land. Uh, and the dates, cause they're not valid all season. That, that is the same. That didn't change. Right. That was, it's basically that right that's the same season. yeah yes yeah um but yeah i mean i think that's a a good change as well because i i don't know very many people if any who say oh you know there's too many deer on this public land right you know that's not something you hear but there can be areas with relatively low deer populations you know for the county but large private landowners can have plenty of deer on their property you know where it's they need people to harvest more and (coughs) excuse me at a cheaper cheaper price you know maybe they can coax someone out to shoot that doe where in other cases they couldn't. Yeah. And I, I'll mention if you are looking, cause you know, they always put a, that map out that County map that shows the bag limits by County. It looks a little different, but the reason it looks a little different from la- if you're comparing last year's to this year's, is because of that scenario where you had three deer counties where management were not valid and three deer counties where management permits were valid. So I guess maybe a simpler way to say that is all the three deer, all the counties that were three deer counties last year are three deer counties this year. All the counties that were two deer are still two deer. One deer are still one deer. Four deer are still four deer. 
no changes. The map looks a little different because, you know, we had that light green and dark green that was the differentiator between uh, management permits allowed or not allowed. Now everything, all the three deer counties are dark green and it, it, it looks a little different, but basically it's no change. So then from there, the other thing that, uh, I mean, we talked about this a lot and, and I'm, we'll circle back to this, the disease surveillance area, uh, declared in Wyandotte and Marion counties. We talked about that. Um, you know, we knew that was coming. The one thing that surprised me though, was the bag limits for spring turkey season have not been set as of the publication date of, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to make an update to the regs book now that it's mostly digital or if you're just going to have to refer to the app or, or how they're going to do that. But it says in that summary of changes that Turkey, uh, Bag limits have not been set, and if you go to the section on Turkey, bag limit says to be announced. The bag limit for the 2022 spring wild turkey hunting season was not determined at the time of this publication's printing. For updates and more information, please visit wildohio.gov or call 1-800-WILDLIFE. So, I don't know that I've ever remember seeing that. I mean, the regs book has the bag limits. I've never seen one where things were still TBD when they put the, the regs book out. Do you guys recall anything, ever seen anything like that? No, no, I don't think I've ever seen it and I'm not really sure. I'd be curious to know what the reason is. Like why, what further information are they, I guess they want to get a better count on poll acquirement or whatever the word is I'm looking for. I don't know. Yeah. Recruitment. I don't know why they wouldn't have, not that turkey bag limits are historically change much in the state. They're usually pretty stagnant. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of strange that they didn't. Yeah. You've been hearing, I, I've been hearing some grumblings, I guess, sort of nationwide on turkey numbers going down. And, I, you know, I think there's some some research projects going on trying to figure out what's what's going on there i know they're they're doing this sort of citizen science reporting on turkey and and poult sightings uh, i forget exactly the, maybe july and august or something june july august something like that the, over the summer here maybe they're waiting to see what kind of information and participation they get in that i don't know but there's there's some piece of data that they're waiting for to determine what uh what the appropriate bag limits are going to be so we'll have to wait and see on that one i guess yeah and i mean i i like the fact that they didn't just throw a you know a bag limit out there you know well well, we don't have the information so we're just gonna stick with what we did last year or 
you know, I like the fact that they're, you know, that they didn't feel obligated to to give a a bag limit. Yeah. Well, and, and spring turkey is is hard for them, given that it falls into, you know, it falls into like the big game wildlife council type meetings i mean they're they're trying to set bag limits for you know i mean the meetings for the following season are happening you know certainly some of those initial meetings are happening before they've really had a chance to come to grips with the data from the current season if that makes any sense right i mean they're they're having conversations about this book and and bag limits for 2022 before they've you know really had a chance to look at harvest data and potentially poult recruitment for the 2021 season right so i can see how that is you know there's this line on the calendar where we've got to have the the regs book out for the upcoming fall season which includes turkey stuff but turkey spring turkey season is a is a long ways away you know so it's a it's an interesting problem for them especially if things are sort of in flux with the turkey population i'll be curious to see how they end up communicating that information you know i was thinking like you know how do you i guess they could just update this book and if you've got a paper if you've got a paper copy an old paper copy you know this publication paper copy it's going to say you you won't know what your bag limit is unless you either look it up online get a new paper copy, look at it in the Huntfish Ohio app. You'll have to get the bag limit information some other way if you always just refer to the paper copy of the book. Right, yeah, you're going to have to find some other way, yeah. Uh, What I'm hoping, what I would do, I guess, my strategy would be, you know, when spring turkey tags go on sale have you know basically have the regulations attached to your turkey tag yeah you know when you buy a turkey tag like that page of the regulations is you know in the xx excess space on that sheet of paper right i mean now you can carry a tag digitally so it won't necessarily help there but you can at least you know have it pop up you know forum or like hey this is the regulations like i've i've you know basically just have a sheet saying like here's the regulations continue print my turkey tag yeah yeah you could put a check they could put a checkbox in there saying that you acknowledge that you've you know reviewed the updated bag limits or something like that i mean i guess with electronic stuff they've got a lot more flexibility or or ability to you know kind of 
force that information out there, force it in front of people's eyes when they, you know, when they, as part of that tag buying process. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think the people that this is really going to affect, I mean, the people who are actually uh, consulting the physical regs book um, for, for regulations. I mean, I think most of those people are um, older people who are still going to a, you know, going to Walmart, going to their local gun store and buying their tags and license there. You know, so in that case, I mean, you could absolutely have a a flyer out to hand them when they buy their spring tag. Yeah. You know, because I, I would assume that they'll just update the digital copy at some point saying like, you know, this is these are the spring regulations. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't think it would be cost effective to like print another run with the updated you know, the only change is that one little section in the in the turkey right section. Right. So yeah. Something new, noteworthy there. Um so we mentioned or I mentioned a minute ago the the disease surveillance area so if you didn't hear that previous episode or weren't aware haven't had a chance to review that information there is a whole page on chronic wasting disease and the facts <clears throat> precautions for hunters to take and then some of the rules for um, hunting in the disease surveillance areas, as well as a map of the affected area, if you will. So, and we talked about this in a in a previous episode as well. But you know, they're they're basically one of the requirements is if you harvest a deer in the in the surveillance area you have to submit it for sampling <clears throat> there's different ways of doing that there's in-person sampling available uh, it looks like in-person sampling is available on november 6th and 7th 13th and 14th and monday tuesday and saturday of gun season <clears throat> Uh, they note in here to avoid lengthy delays, hunters are encouraged to complete the game check process before presenting their deer for sampling. And uh, then they give addresses on where staff is going to be available for those sampling requirements. They also are going to have, as they put it, convenient to use self-serve kiosks. <laughs> So <clears throat> self-serve kiosks are available October 1st through the close of the statewide muzzleloader season, January 11th, 2022. Uh, per, uh, let's see here. Participation is voluntary outside the 11 mandatory days noted above. Instructions for sample submission are provided at the kiosk. Kiosk locations and instructions are available at wildohio.gov. So I guess...
13 and the entire seven day gun season. Outside of those, I think you're certainly cleared to do voluntary sampling. Um, but if you harvest a deer on those dates or within those date ranges, you, you have to submit a, uh, a sample. Right. And yeah, if you're going to be hunting in that area, um, you know, I would I would recommend that you really read through all the information the ODNR has for you um, on how how to submit your samples, um, how to treat your animal, how to treat your carcass. Um, you know, read through the recommendations they have um, because if we do have a larger CWD outbreak than what's kind of expected right now um you know a lot of people hunting and then transferring carcasses and not treating them properly you know could make a bad situation worse yeah so i would uh really encourage you to look at the information and know it yeah i i was kind of surprised to see that they hadn't increased like increased bag limits inside the surveillance area my assumption is they're waiting to see what kind of data they get from this hunting season before they make that determination right well and they did make it so you can use the deer management tag at kill deer plains sort of the source of the outbreak you know i don't want to say source but that's right you know one of the infected animals came from a controlled hunt there and the other one was within a mile or two of kill deer kill deer planes so i mean they they're at least making somewhat of an effort to at least not reduce harvest there yeah that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, because last year I think they were uh it was just Lake Lasuan, right? They were exempt because they were in a county. Is that right? They were in a county that was not open to am I thinking of that right? That, Williams that, County. Yeah, I think- I think you're right. Yeah, Williams County was a county where you couldn't use the management permits. Um, but they exempted or they allowed you to use the management permits at Lake Lasuan. Last year, you could use the permits in Wyandotte County, but you could not use them in Marion County. So, yeah, that change is probably... To your point, Jeff, to uh, not not reduce harvest in that sort of micro ecosystem there. Right. And All right. I we'll see. I mean, because the the actual number of participants in the controlled hunts at Killdeer Plains hasn't came out. You know, they. You, you could apply for the controlled hunt, but they didn't tell you 
how many opportunities were out there. So potentially they could be increasing the opportunities as well. Gotcha. You know, the days. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Then I guess the, the last two changes they have noted here is on the goose bag limit and the active duty military and veteran veterans waterfowl hunting. So it says goose bag limit was increased to five in all zones. This includes Canada geese, white fronted geese, and no more than one brand. Jeff, anything to add there? Uh, no, uh, you know, well, love it, hate it. It's changed and it's, you know i mean they changed the the bag limit to reflect populations so at least the odnr thinks well and not even the odnr but uh the mississippi flyway thinks that goose populations are are up so that they can increase uh bag limits so that's positive where you know, a lot of the story for waterfowl has been populations are down, down, you know, that's what you're, you're always hearing is populations are down, bag limits are decreasing. So any sort of increase is uh, a change from the norm. Right. And then the, so the active duty military and veterans, that that change was in place last year right yes but they had to issue like a a clarification i believe like it it was it it didn't necessarily make the regs book it was a clarification of its own i think is what happened okay because they which is what now became the new updated regulation for this year right yes okay because if if I'm correct, the the confusion was actually related to youth hunters. Youth hunters have to have a non-hunting adult with them. And oh, yes. So that's. Gotcha. But it 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 can be a a veteran. A hunting veteran. Yes. Yeah. It can be a veteran who is hunting for youth waterfowl season. Gotcha. So that, yeah, that makes sense. Cause I was kind of, you know, they, the, the change, you know, is very specific to say active duty military and veterans and youth may waterfowl hunt together during the special waterfowl season, October 2nd and 3rd, which I thought that's a weird change. Why, why wouldn't they be allowed to hunt together if they're all allowed to hunt during the same date? But that makes sense then is right. Know, the youth hunt was saying you had to have a non-hunting adult with you because you're a youth. I got it now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where the confusion came in and why the change. Um, what, (coughs) excuse me. One other thing related to waterfowl hunting, um, just for people to be aware of is, um, some of the season dates have changed. Um, compared to last year um so 
just pay attention to when season comes in because you know your your favorite day to hunt may may no longer be a uh, a legal day to hunt got it that reminds me too we were kind of having our our group text conversation and i guess some jeff or so, somebody was seeing some stuff online about why is archery season whitetail archery season opening so early this year and i think jeff it was you that was saying that you know it can fall as early as the 23rd or something is that what you were saying I believe, yeah, it's the 23rd. It can fall as early as the 23rd. Yeah. Um, Jake, I think Jake was saying it, it. it's always that last Saturday of September, right? Right, yeah, it's the last Saturday of September. So right. this this year is early compared to some years, compared to, I, I want to say two years ago, because I think last year was a relatively early, you know, it was towards the earlier part of it. But two years ago, I think season didn't come in till like the 30th. Yeah, it was the 26th last year. Right, right. So, yeah, for for people out there that are are wondering that. The archery opener, for as long as I can remember, has been the last Saturday of September, whatever that date happens to be. As we start thinking about fall hunting season, we start thinking about getting deer in front of our stands. And one way to do that is with feed. Monster Whitetail Grub is our go-to choice for that. They've got their signature feed, which is a high-protein feed. It's got mineral mix in it's more of a coarse feed they've also got flavored corn which takes your regular corn and kind of kicks it up a notch sort of turns it into a long range attractant it can really smell that flavor additive from a long way away and they have just straight mineral powdered mineral so whatever you need they have it go to ohiohuntsman.com sponsors there you can get more information on the product See if they if there's a retail location near you where you can just go pick some up or order it direct from Monster Whitetail Grub and they'll ship it to you. So with that, check them out. Monster Whitetail Grub, Deer Feed the Ohio Way. All right. Anything else on rigs? Jeff, I know you wanted to talk about uh, some stuff with quail. Yeah, uh, just wanted to address some confusion if you will um that some people are having uh recently uh the odnr uh released information um directed towards landowners um stating that they can get uh federal money for improving habitat for quail you know they can get federal assistance uh, to help improve habitat for quail in the state. Okay. Um, which sounds all fine and great, um, but sort of the problem people were having is there has 
sort of been this statement in Ohio um, whether uh, directly said or not that uh, the effort towards preserving quail, expanding quail populations, you know, that, that there would be limited effort towards expanding the population. Um, basically because it was a, a drawback in resources. You know, how much money do we want to spend on the resource of quail? Because within the uh, scientific community, there's it's actually a little bit debated on whether quail are a native species to Ohio or not. You know, if uh, if Ohio is in the the range, their native range or not. Um, because kind of the argument is well how do you define the native range you know how far right. back are we going <clears throat> you know are we saying that we want to restore the habitat to what it was like before european settlers came here or are we saying we want to restore the habitat to what it was like before human settlers were here um because unquestionably um native populations you know shaped the landscape as well um so uh, what is known by my own research and research uh, that other people have found is uh while the very first european settlers to uh <clears throat> the region um don't mention quail much um they did quickly follow you know they at least the quail population came you know followed the human population okay you know we we cleared land that cleared land made good habitat you know we cleared forests and made field for grazing which made good habitat for quail and <clears throat> so uh, i mean sort of the popular belief the and i don't even want to say popular but the uh i'm gonna say popular belief is that ohio is basically at the northernmost reach of ohio's quail popular or of Ohio is at the northernmost reach of the bobwhite quail population. Okay. So, and winters is what really affects, you know, that's what has a big effect on quail populations. Because quail are pretty short-lived, um, even compared to other birds of their size. Um they're pretty short-lived, but they're very good breeders. So with a few years of uh, population expansion, they can 
expand their territory pretty pretty far. So that's where sort of this uh, people who are alive in the 60s, 70s, you know, who talk about, oh, there was quail everywhere, you know, back then. And, you know, there was quail all the way, you know, up into northern Ohio. Well, yes, there was, but our our agricultural practices allowed for that. And also there was a period of mild winters in that period of time, which allowed the quail population to expand northernly. Hmm. So I guess to kind of bring this around full circle, uh, they there is a program to help improve quail population. Um, quail habitat. Yes, quail habitat. Um, it's it's in the very southern Ohio. It's a select uh, few townships. Uh, I'm trying to think of the counties. Uh, Galia was one. Let me, let me just see if I can pull it up here. Galia, Adams, Brown, Highland, um, portions of Ross, Fayette, and Clinton. And mm-hmm. then uh, far western Ohio, far southwestern Ohio, portions of Butler and Peebles County. Um, so it is a very limited region, um, and basically kind of my opinion, and I think a lot of other people's opinion is, well, while the quail population and quail is not something of great concern in Ohio, like it's probably not something you know there was probably naturally very few quails you know there was only this these small pockets of quail naturally in ohio that expand out and contract um basically if uh if someone's going to give us money to improve habitat we're going to take it because improving quail habitat is going to improve deer habitat is going to improve uh rabbit habitat is going to improve pollinator habitat you know it's going to have uh a little bit of a domino effect if you will right. what what helps quail helps other animals <clears throat> and also they're they're not taking money from something else to put into this program this program is separate funds. So it's uh, it's a good thing and uh, basically get on, you know, I, you should support it. You should support that this is happening um, because it's it's more funds for conservation, you know, and uh, if you kind of support someone else's 
hunting hobby, you know, in turn, you can support your own. And when it's your turn to get help, you know, they'll support you. Because kind of the big argument here is why are we putting money towards quail when grouse are definitely native and they're struggling too. So, but it's it's separate funding and if someone's going to give us funding, you know, give landowners funding to improve habitat, we we should take it. We should take advantage of that. I see. I had no idea any of that was going on, so <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. All. It's I mean, I I feel like in the state there's this a, a pretty contentious amongst upland bird hunters in the state things can get pretty contentious you know because you know the 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 grouse hunters or the people who support grouse populations maybe they don't hunt anymore you know or like why are we putting money towards pheasant or uh quail when you know grouse are this native bird and you know pheasant hunters want there to be pheasant you know and it provides money to to the state to have these pheasant releases um you know so they they want more pheasant and you know it, it seems like there's a lot of squabbling between them so when one person gets something it seems like the other ones feel like they're getting cheated out of something Gotcha. Interesting. Well, we'll uh, have to see how that shakes out, I guess. Like I said, I didn't know any of that was was going on. I mean, it all makes sense as far as the habitat in their range kind of expanding and contracting as winters allow. Right. uh, Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, yeah, anything we can do to for conservation, we should do, no matter if it's the species we like to to hunt or see or not. So. And so this is a uniquely Ohio concern that it sounds like just because of our geographic location. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the concerns, yes, because the at least the fight between, you know, what, how much money we put into quail populations, okay. um, because, yeah, we, we are at the, the northernmost reach of their range. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's kind of this debate amongst people of you know were they, were they ever supposed to be here and if if they were where were they actually at and you know how how much money do we put to try to preserve their population right hmm okay 
Well, I don't know. Anything else that uh, we want to touch on on this one? The only thing I had from looking at it that I'm kind of surprised neither one of you brought up yet is, did you guys take a look at the cost of licenses? No. After October 1st, resident licenses are decreasing in price. Really? Not by much. But yeah. And it's not just like annual licenses. I was thinking, well, maybe they figured that was, I don't know, they somehow with that date, they figured they, because it's like a couple cents on some of them. But it, they must have got funding, some new something passed for funding. It had to have been because like the resident lifetime license, it's going to go down. It's going to be 468 before October 1st. After October 1st, it goes down to $449.28. Ten-year hmm. license goes from $180.44 to $180.27. Five-year goes from $90.22. So I guess that the, the one-year licenses don't go down at all. The five-year is $90.22 to $90.14. And then the youth licenses, multi-year licenses, are all going down in price. So it's a multi-year, now that I'm looking at it closer. Like I said, it's not a huge drop, but they're knocking some of that off. I don't know what is driving that or what the decision, but... Yeah. Yeah, I was was unaware of that. And I just kind of glossed over it when I, you know, was looking through the new rakes book. I, cause I honestly, I expected it to be, uh, an increase, you know, what I expected to see. Right. When I first looked at this, I was like, ah, those they're sneaking it in. They're raising it up again. And then I looked at it and I'm like, holy crap, these are going down. Yeah. Huh. And, and I'm also really shocked that, that's not, I don't know, the the first thing that they mentioned. You know, yeah. like I'm, I'm surprised that that wasn't a news release in itself. Like, oh, hey, we're dropping prices. Yeah. You know, because I, I mean, that's one of the biggest complaints people have is, oh, prices are going up again and going up on tags and licenses. Right. So prices going down is... Uh, shocking yeah and it's weird because it's such a small decrease all i can think is they had to have gotten funding somewhere a grant uh i don't know to knock those prices back and it's weird that they picked october 1st as the date but yeah so i guess take home from that is if you're planning on buying a multi-year license this year and don't want to hunt opening uh, that opening weekend uh, opening weekend you can wait till after october 1st you'll save a little bit of money i mean the only one that's really worth it in my mind that is anything significant is if you're planning on buying a lifetime license um again the other one is the resident 10 year is five dollars off but hmm. the lifetime license is 20 bucks. So I guess yeah. 19, but 
Yeah. So I don't know. I'd be curious to know, I guess, what caused that. And like I said, it had to have been a, I don't know, a donation. Maybe somebody donated money saying, I like what you're doing. I'll give you this many, whatever, this million dollars. And they say, oh, we'll cut these prices back. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it may just have been a, a recalculation. You know, they, they did their math wrong when they originally, you know, put those prices in there. Cause I always thought it was weird, you know, that the, the three year, five year lifetime, uh, is, you know, that they, they have, pennies you know they didn't round up or down right you know it, there's there's change there i always thought that was kind of weird because it's like they've there's never been change you right, know, everything's yeah. been to the dollar so it it may be a recalculation of you know what right. you know because it seems like that that number's awfully specific for some reason that they they did some sort of math or accounting to come up with that number. So. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. They didn't list it in the beginning of the. You know, in the beginning, in the summary of changes, which is how I missed yeah, that's it. Yeah, surprising. Yeah, I'm surprising that they wouldn't have. Like I said, I don't it doesn't I even read before and after um to see if they would put it in words you know like why they're changing it but doesn't say anything about it just in the graph it yeah shows in the chart there shows lower prices that might be know. a good tip there is uh don't just rely on the the top you know to to show the changes cuz there's some other small minor changes that you know, have taken place that aren't listed at the top yeah. because they're, you know, because they're small changes. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Well, anything else we missed? Not that I know okay. of. No, I think that's everything that I've seen. Okay. Okay, so that's it for this week. Hopefully, uh, you're starting to get the gears turning, starting to get gear in order, starting to get things ready, plans made for hunting season this fall. I know we are making arrangements, getting dates on the calendar, things like that. So hopefully you all are are doing the same and are, are able or are going to be able to spend some time in the woods this fall. If you do, I wish you the best of luck and uh, let us know how things go this fall. I know we still got a little a little time before season opens, but it'll be here before you know it. So with that, I think we're going to shut it off. As always, thank you all for listening and continuing, su- continuing to support us. Really appreciate it. And we'll talk to everybody next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>